we are going to Mexico City for a business retreat and you are invited. There's something magical about getting out of the day-to-day routine. It's even better when you pack your bags, hop on a flight, and land in a new city. From July 21st to July 26th, 2024, join us as we settle into our home for the week, visit all the local coffee shops that Mexico City has to offer, and dedicate time to work on our businesses. This means a whole work week to brainstorm your business's future, set goals for the next year, and get caught up on all those admin tasks that keep getting pushed to the wayside. And you didn't think we'd be all work and no play, did you? While our primary goal is dedicated time to work on the biz and give ourselves space to dream and scheme, we can't go to Mexico City and not experience the vibrant culture. That's why we planned a night of salsa lessons at Mama Roomba, and we're going to get to go visit some of the best restaurants that Mexico City has to offer. Registration is now open. Spots are limited, and you don't want to miss out on this amazing opportunity. Come hang out with us and work on your business in person in Morgan's favorite city. Head to weightinclusiveinnovators.com slash admincation to sign up or click the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it, talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we're on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. Today, we are going to have a nice little candid conversation on how much is enough and what is enough. This is something that has been on Hannah and mine's brains for a while. And I also feel like we have very different experiences of enoughness. And so I'm excited to chat about all of that. But before we dive into today's episode, we're going to do a little report. Hi, Hannah. Report time. Hello. What is your report of the week? Okay, let's get into it. So my report, reading. I literally binged this book in one day. I was ready for it. Um, It's called What We Owe Ourselves, A 500-Mile Hike on the Colorado Trail. It was by Nick Antoinette. Um, I love her writing style. I love outdoor adventure memoirs by people who are not men. (laughs) And she is just an amazing human and I think has a lot of insight into the world and what values are important. And I love hearing how being on the trail is for people. I still desire to do that one day. I haven't talked about that on the podcast in a while, but It used to be a goal of mine, and it's not not a goal of mine, to hike the PCT or do a big trail trip. Um, Definitely planning to do that when I take a sabbatical sometime in the next five years. And I just love the having everything you need on your bag, on your back, and just being so free. Your only job is to walk in nature through beautiful places and to take on a big feat like hiking 500 miles. I'm not interested in running a marathon, to be honest. That sounds too hard. Like my heart rate would get up too high, but doing something like walking a very long distance, I like that. 
So that's what I'm reading. That was my long story long. I don't think I'd have it in me. I admire people who uh, enjoy things like that, but I literally do my like little five mile walk every day. And I'm like, that's enough. I don't need to do any more than that. You walk five miles every day. Woof. I, I'm not, I mean, not normally, this is a very new thing. It has just been such a lovely winter in Houston right now. And so I'm just like soaking up the, the weather and there's, yeah, there's a route that is both nature. It goes through my neighborhood, which I love my neighborhood. It goes along the bayou, which is like a little bit of nature and it goes towards downtown. So I see the skyline. So it's like a little trifecta. Cute. Love that. But I don't want to do 500 miles. That does not sound fun and enjoyable. You know, it ends up being like 20 to 30 miles a day if you're being really intense. And what I what is appealing about it to me is being alone, being alone with your thoughts, being able to listen to podcasts, audiobooks, looking at nature, appreciating the smaller things in life and like nothing matters. You know, you're about to shit in the woods every day for the next however many days. Nothing matters. It's fine. We are just little blips on a floating rock that will one day burn up. Um. Anyway, okay, so that's what I'm reading. Highly recommend the book. Shout out to Heather Kaplan for showing me Nick Antoinette's work. Um, she's got a, another awesome memoir that's about her hike on the Arizona Trail. Eating. I'm eating everything left in my Airbnb. Today is the last day we are checking out of this place. And so because we're moving into the van for 10 days until we get our place back in Denver. Yep. Yeah. Um, we are trying to How is it already use up the food that? that we have, and then we're going to do some bulk cooking for heating up things in the van. It's wild. Part of me feels like it's been a long time, but part of me is like, oh no, it's been three months. Um, cause it was like some of the longest months of the year as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's that time, February 11th, we get our place back. Wild. But until then we're going to be living in the van <laughs> and working. It's going to be great. Um, so I'm eating everything in the Airbnb. I'm having the most random meals. It's fine because we're just trying to be efficient and bring in things in the van that we're actually going to use. Playing, I love a good board game. We recently bought Raccoon Tycoon. I can't remember if I talked about it on the podcast. I might have, but I'm still playing it. It's still fun. It's Catan meets Monopoly, and I really like it. It's the perfect amount of strategy game to where it's not that hard to learn, but it's still really fun. And I like that shit. Obsessing. I'm obsessing with movies right now. I watched a lot of movies in the last month. Um, What have you been watching? Yeah. So I like to watch some movies in Spanish as me doing my Spanish homework. And so I recently watched Bardo. I watched. Oh, man. I'm so bad at remembering the names. There's been so many movies. Oh, there was a really good movie in Spanish called prayers for the stolen and it was about a mountainous region i think it was jalisco in mexico and it was like these girls growing up and how they're always protecting the girls in the town because they often get stolen and taken into um the cartel and things like that so it was a really well done movie and it just showed the realities of the life there and um that's how I like to practice my Spanish. So that was a really good movie. I also recently watched Oppenheimer. Do you know what that movie? Yeah, because it's it's the one that came out the same time as Barbie did, but I prioritized Barbie. I did not see Oppenheimer. Oh, did it? Okay, so I just watched Oppenheimer recently. I bought it on Amazon Prime. And it's about the atomic bomb, the person who, the physicist who 
facilitated making the atomic bomb and the story behind that. And it was very interesting. It was three hours. It's very long. It's very committing. Oh, and I also watched another three hour movie that came out about something from the war way back when. I don't remember. It was some war movie. Was it all the light we cannot see? No, it wasn't. But I saw that one too. Like I'm reading Uh, that book right now. Are you? Is it good? Mm -hmm. I'm like maybe 20 pages in and it's like a 500 pager. So that's a, that's a long one. Um, anyway, I'm usually not a movie watcher, but we've had a lot of downtime it's really interesting being on the road and not having all your stuff and like the things you usually do after work so we've been chilling and watching a lot of movies and eating the most buttery popcorn and it's been pretty great recommending recommending going outside in the sunshine it is like a spring wave in a lot of places so please like go soak up that sun and what i'm talking shop about right now is it's a weird freaking market still in the private practice group practice space as far as like Clients being flaky, insurance being weird, the start of the year, people dropping off, we're slow still. And so I just wanted to name that because I'm having a lot of those conversations. I'm dealing with that anxiety for my company, myself. And if there, if you're going through that, like I totally feel you and all you can do is take an action. What's your report? I am currently reading three books. Listening to the Harry Potter series, I've never read all seven books. Me neither. I'm glad I'm not alone. My brother was like at Barnes and Noble for at midnight for the midnight release for every single Harry Potter book, like dressed in costume with his friends. <laughs> um, hopefully he's not embarrassed about me saying that, but there's some hilarious pictures about it. And so he like cannot believe that I've never read Harry Potter. And so whenever I had my Amazon Prime account, I had Audible and then I canceled my Prime account and needed to use my Audible credits. And so I just like bought all seven of the Harry Potter books and I'm finally now listening to them. And then I'm reading two books, one for book club, one for fun. I'm reading All the Light We Cannot See for book club. That's going to be a doozy. It's a very long book. And then I'm reading The Happy Place by Emily Henry as just like a little fun feel good book. I am eating a bunch of leftovers from my mom and dad's house which is incredible. I love my mom's cooking so much. And I went over there for dinner on Monday and she was like, oh, by the way, we have spaghetti and meatballs. We have soup. We have salad. We have mac and cheese. Do you want it? And I was like, absolutely, I do. (laughs) And so we packed all of it up into to-go containers and I will be eating that for the next like five or six days. Honestly, that's incredible uh, from a multiple standpoint of you don't have to cook. You don't have to go to the grocery store. You save some money. It's dishes. win, 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 win. Love that for you. All the wins. I got to have dinner with my parents. We watched The Bachelor together. It felt like I was in high school again. It was (laughs) so good. (laughs) That's awesome. I am not really doing a ton of playing in my like personal life. I feel like there's a lot of creativity happening in my business life, though, which as an entrepreneur, where's the line? No one really knows. And so I am doing a collaboration with a therapist who has a pretty large Facebook group, and we are creating four different one-page websites for her audience for templates. And she has basically given me creative control to do everything. Her only her only like caveat was she wants them to be bold. 
and colorful. And I was like, oh, check. I got that. She's like, I'm so sick of all these like pastel websites in the therapy space. She's like, I need something different. I need something to be like bold and exciting and energetic. And I was like, I'm on it. And so that's been really fun creatively. So I feel like I'm doing a lot of like playing with putting together Pinterest boards and things like that for those different templates. And then I am doing a little bit of like playing with Substack, not even with Substack, with the idea of Substack, not for Morgan Sinclair Designs, but for the eating expedition, because I just feel like that would be a really fun platform to be on to talk about food and travel and growing up a picky eater and now running a like food focused travel company. I love that. I am currently obsessing over Cafe Olay's, which is drip coffee with steamed milk. I've been getting them at every coffee shop I've been going to, partially from a financial perspective because they're cheaper, but also just getting, yeah. But also, I mean, they're like the same cost as like drip coffee as opposed to a latte, which is going to be more expensive. Um, So that's a a pro tip. Love that. Pro tip. Yeah. But you have to like drip coffee. If you prefer a like more milk heavy drink, cafe au is not going to be for you. And then I'm also obsessing over Spanish hotels because I have officially, uh, well, I decided this a while ago, but it's becoming more and more real. I am doing a month in Spain in October to do market research for a future Spain eating expedition trip. And I am uh, going to be driving around Mexico, not Mexico. I'm going to be. I'm going to be driving around Spain for a month by myself. And I was like, okay, like I want to uh, stay in hotels, not, not, I don't want to stay in an apartment. I don't want to stay in a hostel. Um, You don't want to stay in a hostel and do that fun thing and never sleep and be around a lot of early 20s. What? You know what? If it was, I am not opposed to hostels. I have done the hostel life before. We did hostels in Costa Rica. It was great. Not for this trip. This uh-huh. is not a hostel life trip. And I also am getting to do some market research for the hotels on like choosing hotels that we'll be staying in for future trips too. But I'll be sure to link the one that I found in the show notes because it is so dreamy. Oh my God. It's so dreamy. I'm, I've been loving I've been obsessing over the just gorgeous Spanish hotels. I am recommending some set it and forget it email marketing, aka email automations. I just finished working with a interior design studio here in Houston, and we set up five different automations because there's five different ways that they can uh, get on the email list, and they just all talk to each other and we have the form set up and they're getting freebies and it is all we like turned everything on today and it is completely hands off and they're getting to nurture their audience for like a couple months which is just chef's kiss that's awesome and then talking shop if you've been following along for a while you know that q4 was financially and work-wise, a very slow month for me. I was very panicked. I didn't like that feeling. Um, But I'm so happy to report that I've had so many disco calls over the last two weeks that Q1 is officially booked out for me. That's so awesome. That is through March. Oh, good. Through March. Yeah. And that's Um, just project start dates. How many, how many project start dates count for a quarter for you? Like how many are you going for? 
my kind of sweet spot has been four. And we can kind of dive into this in today's episode. Amazing. I could take on more, but with four, that feels supportive enough financially while also leaving creative space to say yes to some other things and pursue different things outside of client work. Amazing. With that, should we dive in? Let's do it. Morgan, I have a big question for you today. Mm, Let's hear it. What is enough? Like, what is enough money? What is enough work? What is enough? Ooh, this is a big question. There are two things that come to mind whenever I think about enoughness. The first one is financial enoughness. And I will say that the last three years of running my design studio full-time, what I have been paying myself has not been enough. I thought it would be. And then thankfully I've had, you know, I've done consulting for some startups. I've had some other endeavors outside of my design studio that have been able to support me financially. But if I'm just looking at the money coming from my design studio, it has not been enough. And within that enoughness, it's grown year over year, which has felt good, but it hasn't grown to keep up with inflation, which is hard. I would say, and we hear this from so many people, enough financially for me to pay myself to live the lifestyle that I want to live, which is not just the basics. It is the basics And then some being able to impulsively buy a cookbook, being able to take a couple of trips a year like that is like my ideal lifestyle enough to pursue that lifestyle, I would say would be around 100 to 120,000 a year. And I am nowhere near close to that. And so that's it's been a hard thing to grasp. And so that's one piece of enoughness. The other piece of enoughness has actually come up in conversation with a couple of friends where I'm talking about pursuing things with the eating expedition a little more seriously, meaning that I would need to spend more time with the eating expedition. In order to do that, I have to let go of something else. But I had a friend ask me, she was like, do you feel like this is a time that you can push a little bit harder? and spend more time in order to grow that, in order to create that. And I've been reflecting on this question a lot. And what I keep coming back to is, yes, I have more time. Like I could add on a couple extra hours of work a week. I do not work that many hours a week. But whenever it comes to creative energy that is required for some of this growth, I am capped. Mm -hmm. I am at capacity. I do not have any more creative energy to expend on personal projects in a way that won't take away from client projects. And those are what I need to prioritize because they're literally paying me to be their creative person. And so that's been a really hard balance where like this idea of enoughness, like what is enough? I need more creative energy, Mm. but I can't just create that. And so it's figuring out where that balance is with like what is enough in the trifecta of financial spending time, but also that creative energy. Yeah. Oof. Well, and then I have more follow-up questions of like, what if 
hitting that 120,000 means you're absolutely drained from creative energy and you don't have any of that left. Like, what does that mean? Or can that exist? I fear that as well. I feel like I am really good at setting boundaries around my energy. Out of those, out of finances, time, and energy, I'm best at setting boundaries around energy. There is nothing that makes me feel more burnt out than going over capacity of my creative energy and trying to force myself to create. That impacts everything. And so over the last couple of years, I have gotten really good to understand when I need to use that creative energy, when I need to say no to things in order to protect that creative energy. And usually that means I'm not working as much. And usually that means I'm not making as much money. And those are just some pills that I've had to swallow because I, I'm all for hustling for a short period of time. And in order to make this switch of needing to make more money and push past that comfortability of creative energy, I think I'd be a miserable human to be around and I'm not willing to do that. Mm. Mm-hmm. I am just, my brain is going in so many directions. Um, I think this is the hard conversation around, I mean, enoughness, energy, finances and things, because for me, I have more than enough finances, even though I'm very afraid of it all going away. Like Mm. in the last year, I have surpassed multiple six figures of paying myself. Most of that goes into retirement. As you all know, I am very much like I want to have enough in retirement to where it's just compounding over time and I can quote unquote retire in the next five years. But I also feel the the dread and the pressure and the soul sucking sometimes that I've had to do over the last four years to get to that point. And so this question is on my mind every fucking day of like, what is enough? Because I don't want to keep moving the goalposts. Like, you will get to a point where you are making mm-hmm. that sweet spot of money and what you're trading your time and energy for. And you will know when, if you want to go up to the next pay level or whatever, it might require you to trade finances for a bit to put energy into something. And then also just the instability that that can create. So for example, like moving from focusing on design stuff to like really go all in with eating expedition, there's no guarantee, right? And so then you're taking more of your energy and time and also your finances because you're deterring from this other project in hopes that this thing will work, which again, that makes sense to do because you're so stoked on it and things. And so I'm using- It is risky. It is totally risky. Um, I'm using you as an example since you just shared that, but for anybody in that position, it's like when somebody goes from solo to group because they want to make more money, quote unquote- it's it doesn't work quite like that yet because at, for a while you're trading your time reducing your finances to help somebody else onboard making sure they're paid and then you get yours and then you do that with a few other people and the long game is important but at the same time like you push yourself to your limits of your resources and you know I'm in my 6th year of group practice or private practice 5th year of group and I'm just like, whew, I can't keep moving the moving the goalpost of like, quote unquote, how much I want to make. Because what has happened for me is you can't have it all. And what tends to slip for me is my relationships in my life. 
um, mm-hmm. where I just isolate myself because I'm so burnt crispy or I'm just so busy in meetings and doing work things and trying to like keep up with my own life that I don't have the capacity for other people. And I don't love that. So you sell your soul at a certain point. What have those internal dialogues or I assume, I mean, maybe conversations with your business coach, your partner, like what, what are the tough questions that you've been asking yourself to figure out what is enough for you? Mm, Yeah. Good question. Um, I've been working with a financial coach who's going to come on the podcast. His name is Joe. He's fantastic. And that's one of the reasons I hired him because I was like, I'm a high earner. I know I I know I can keep doing this, but like, what is the ROI, the return on investment, the diminishing returns that are happening if I just keep pushing and I'm not doing something intentional? Because for me, it's like, okay, I can funnel all this money into investments, but is that going to make it one year closer to where I get to retire and quote unquote retire because I want to still work. I just, for me, security is so important. And so when I know with investing time is on my side, I'm like, heck yeah, I can live pretty minimally about to move into my van for 10 days. Um, I would rather have time on my side to where it can just do its thing in compound and I don't have to do anything else. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm stretching myself out too much to contribute an extra $10,000 a year to my investments, and that's not going to really move the needle in the way that I want to, is it worth it? So those are the kind of conversations I'm having with Joe and we're mapping out my plan. Um, I needed to hire somebody professionally to help me. Otherwise it's just like, we can get stuck in that more and more and more because anxiety fueled, or we're just supposed to want more. Um, Mm -hmm conversations I have in my personal life are just around like, I can't maintain this. Sometimes it feels like that, or I don't want to, I want to, I want my time. I want space. I want a sabbatical so bad. Um, and so it's just kind of like, gosh, this is, it's kind of sounding like a, a depressing episode a little bit. Cause I'm like, I just feel so crispy and I just want to exist for a second and see what I even want. Cause I don't even know what enough is, even though I know I have it right now, but is this level of enough plus the time and things it's taking from me? Is it worth it? This is one of the reasons I'm so glad we're having this candid conversation because we have such different experiences of enoughness and we have such different definitions of enoughness that I think eventually and I feel like because we're we're kind of like on the opposite ends of the spectrum and I think we're both trying to find what that middle ground is but we haven't neither of us have gotten there yet or like there's just so much nuance in the middle of it it's it reminds me a lot of the like American dream Mm. I don't even know if this the American dream but a lot of our parents generations especially folks who are like white collar workers and working in an office like their job role motivation was to move up the company and I've been thinking about this a lot because like I wanted that at some point like I wanted to be in the c-suite of a company with a corner office like I'm holy fully know what that looks like. But the more I think about it, the more I'm so thankful that's not the path that 
I ended up taking because like, yes, you get more money as you work your way up a company, but at what cost? Like Mm. I really value my time and my energy. I, it is like my worst fear to get to a point where I don't have time for friends and family because I feel so pulled to like have to keep working, which I think that's where we really differ. And we've talked about this a lot, right? Like I will like drop everything to go to happy hour with friends and you are like, no, I have to work. Yes. (laughs) I will cancel my happy hour. Yeah. (laughs) Pros and cons to vote. Um, but the more I think about it, the the more thankful I am that I am I no longer have that desire to like work my way up a company because I can just only imagine how much time and energy I would have to put into that company. And like, yes, the financial gain would be there, but I that wouldn't feel like enough for me of just the financial gain. Like the enoughness of having extra time and energy in my life to put towards other things that are more values aligned and not money aligned feels really important to me. Yes. And I I can confirm, and I'm coming from a place of extreme privilege of having a ton of resources and like knowing what it feels like to be a high earner. And I can tell you sometimes it's not worth it to go that far for what you have to trade. Um and I say that very cautiously because easy for me to say when I have a lot of resources, right? But when sure. I think about like values and what makes me happy and time and relationships, a lot of those things do not cost money. It's just I'm thinking about the the capitalistic system, circling back to your bringing up the American dream. It's like, yeah, we're fed to to want this. And for what? Like we get one life. Like, I don't want to spend it at a job for 40 years working 50 hours a week and be so drained on the weekend that I can't enjoy my life. Um, Yeah. Enoughness is such an interesting conversation. I can see, we talked about this. Well, we didn't talk about this. In our last webinar we did, we talked about Dr. Lori Santos and her work on Mm -hmm. cyclical living and how we need things to end as humans, um, to close a loop, to really feel happy. And another part of her research is talking about like how much financially is enough. And her lab is the one that really came up with the 75,000 of at 75,000. That is the point where all of your needs are met. And I I say this lightly because obviously 75,000 could be someone with five kids. Like that's not enough money. Um, Mm -hmm. but if you are like for a an average person, 75,000 meets your basic needs. Um, You have money to travel at least once a year if you want to, and you can exist and arise to the level outside of just meeting your basic needs, right? And I, I do think that number, your happiness, like, yes, more money is great. And I want more money in some ways. Um, but the baseline level of happiness, like your mental health and having a good life, it the ROI to get past that point can go down. Kind of went on a tangent there. No, I appreciate it. Have you processed through this enough to know, like, if I was to ask you, like, how much is enough? Do you have 
in this season of your life, do you have specific numbers of money, of free time, of time you spend working? Yeah, I don't. (laughs) I know that for this year, for me, my goal is to maintain uh, maybe a little bit less than what I made last year um, to keep working towards my retirement goals, my sabbatical goals, and to live the life that I want, which is a pretty inexpensive life in my day-to-day. It's truly like I'm driven by more money to shovel it into investments to take care of future me. And when I say future me, it's like immediate future me so that when I'm Five years from now, if I want to change careers, I can do that. Or if I want to take a year Mm -hmm. off, I can do that. Like I'm very driven by the independence piece versus the having things piece. Like I don't care if I ever own a house. I own a condo. That's fine. Whatever. I bought at a time where opportunity and luck came together. I don't know if I ever want to put that much resources in a house later down the road. Like it's not worth it to me. Um, I like to go outside. I like to be alone. I like to read. I like to do things with my partner. I like to travel, but you can do that pretty cost-effectively if you plan ahead of time. And so, yeah, I don't know what enough is long-term. My financial plan for the future says living on fifty-five to 60000 out of my retirement funds is enough, like the lifestyle I want to maintain. I might do supplemental work in that time too. Um, yeah. So it's a different season of life. I'm still in a little bit of a hustle and yeah. I know it has an expiration. I think that's where it's hard for me to convince myself to go back into the hustle is because I think I could do it if I knew the end date of like, you only have to hustle for six months and then your goals will come true. Like if, if I knew that, I think it would be a lot easier for me to hustle the idea of the idea of spending more hours working doesn't even feel scary to me it's more so the freaking energy drain it takes to be an entrepreneur like your brain just doesn't shut off yep ever a thousand and so whenever i'm trying to sit and relax and read or like go for a walk and listen to a podcast my all my brain thinks about is like, oh, how can I apply this to my business? Oh, where's my business? Oh, what can I do for my business? Oh, I see them doing X, Y, Z in this random commercial that I'm watching while I'm trying to watch The Bachelor. How can I replicate that in my business? Like it (laughs) never stops. And I think part of that is like that creative energy piece as well. Um, It's one of my biggest strengths and I, and I absolutely love it, but also it's fucking exhausting sometimes. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's hard for me to think about enoughness, even just like in this season of like what would be enough for the next year. Like I have a, a number in mind of like if I paid myself, if I could pay myself fifty to sixty thousand dollars this year, like I think that would feel really solid. Um it would allow me to finish paying off some debt. And it would also give me enough to start rebuilding some cushiony savings as well as contribute to some more retirement funds as well as brokerage accounts. However, whenever I think beyond 
just a year, which I think is important. I love some short-term goals, but I also, I need to be more mindful of the long game. And whenever I think of what is enough long-term, it's it's more than that because I want to have a family one day. College is going to be expensive. I want to give my kids the same lifestyle that my parents gave me. And I think that's going to be way harder now than it was whenever we were growing up. But yeah. the idea and thinking about like what that looks like, like I'm going to have to make significantly more in order to make that a reality. And that feels terrifying. I think we all can relate to that pressure we feel for future selves and keeping making more and like needing more and how the cost of things are going to keep going up. And that like, I have that anxiety sitting on my chest so heavy all the time, which is part of why I was getting finance coaching. Cause I was like, I can't, I don't want to be thinking about all this in the capacity that I am or as obsessive or like, yeah, worrying. And this is where I think having a goal, not moving the goalpost, figuring out how to sustainably get there. What does that mean for market rate for your services? How many you're doing a year? And that that feeds into the enough conversation, right? It's not just about the finances. It's like, okay, here's the finances, which is the root of everything. What does that look like for my time? And what do I need to charge? Because I can only do this in this capacity, which is why recently, mm-hmm. um, starting in July, my business coaching rates are substantially going up because- I'm good at what I do. I'm really helpful. I will help people easily have that ROI. And it also is still like a use of my energy that I want to allot intentional and important time for to where I'm not just so spread out that I'm not even showing up and making it worth it for people. And that's part of the calculation, right? It's like, I need to make this amount of money. And so I want to have this many people. And so that costs this. It's like reverse engineering depending on what feels how you want to define your enoughness, whether it's financial time or whatever, you can kind of reverse engineer of like, okay, how many clients do I need to take on? How much do I need to charge? How many hours do I need to work a week um, to meet whatever your goals are? Of yep. Enough. And doing that, not in a 52 week year, doing that in like a 46 week year to give yourself space and time because you can't just work every single freaking week. So I don't have the answer to what's enough. It's different for everybody. I know at some point I will want more time for a period of time, like way more time to where I remove myself off payroll of the group and I just peace out for a minute. That's going to be my sabbatical. And that's okay. Like, But then I don't think I will do that forever. So it's always hard changing. We want to know if you have your enough number or your enough life, like what that looks like. We don't have the answer. As we said, this is a candid conversation. And I'm sure talk to us a year from now, five years from now, it'll be completely different. It's also one of those things that you kind of don't know until you start testing the waters and figuring it out and living it and being on the lower end and being on the higher end of finances, time, energy, expenditure, and figuring out the balance that works best for you. Exactly. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast and add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review and share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who need support and pep talks. We'll see you next week.
Bye.